Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Rain Stop Play. We are back after a short hiatus to give you a county championship special, uh, an update. Now we're six rounds in and it's a full Rain Stop Play uh, this week. And Rain Stop Play is quite apt, actually, because we've not had a lot of cricket here in the UK for the past two weeks, but still plenty to talk about. Um, I'll start with Glenn. It's been a while. How are you? Welcome back to the pod. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, apologies for my absence. I was finishing a hundred-page thesis and trying to graduate on time. But well, now, now I sound now I sound like an idiot for like having to go you way when you're working very no, hard no. playing golf. There was a compliment coming up. I did want to say a massive thank you to to you, Dan, Zach, and Will for carrying the pod on and making it so fantastic. I know the IPL was was cut short, but I really enjoyed just as a listener your recent episodes. Um, so yeah it's been brilliant it's been funny I've kind of seen the other side of it and I was was super impressed so yeah thank you so much for that Uh, our county championship expert Tim is back with us Uh, how are you yeah good thank you yeah I've been um, zooming up all those streams Uh, (laughs) even though I found it was this weekend was tricky but I found I just about could manage to hop from match to match it's the rain and the covers and the everything else but i generally managed to get through saturday sunday finding something to watch um, maybe not my first second or third choice but you know i got through it um yeah so i've watched as much as you realistically could watch over the last couple of weeks and it's been great great having the streams and having the chance to do that has been hasn't it so that's good you're, you're the most clued up man in the uk i reckon so it's a privilege <laughs> to have you on the pod uh, it was definitely like following the weather on YouTube, wasn't it? You went north to Durham to see if it was raining. Then let's go all the way south to Hove to see if it's raining uh, and around. Uh, Zach, how are you, mate? How have you been getting on with watching the streams? And more importantly for our listeners, have you been playing any cricket? I have. And also the the good thing about this, uh, about this, the funny thing about the streams is I saw a stat that was like 250,000 views. Uh, the Somerset stream had 250,000 views and there was 60 overs of cricket across the whole weekend. You know, most of the time, 
they were just watching the rain falling on Taunton, which is which is quite funny. Do you reckon people just had it like opening a tab while they were at work, and then it rained, left it off, and, it, and away it went. To be honest, I I probably had that for for quite a long time during one of the days. But yeah, my my cricket, I had a. It was another inter-squad game. It was an inter-squad game preparing us for the midweek. It's it's called LMS, which means last man stands. It's eight-a-side cricket that is played with five ball overs. And it's it's mental. It's the 100. It, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the 100, but it's village. So it's quite Village funny. 100. The village 100, yeah, basically. So you have, like, the game has to last two hours, which is quite nice in an evening. Okay. So it's just six yeah, late yeah, on the evening. See. So we played, and I bowled four overs, naught for 12. Economical, the Washington including, Sundar including, of uh, your two team. Two of those are at the death. Very nice. Flying in some Yorkers, are you? I I found a couple of beautiful Yorkers. Yeah, I did, of course. And uh, then I hit hit twenty seven not out in an unsuccessful Ooh. chase. But we won't. We won't. Can we ask off how many balls? Because I think it's your forte to kind of slowly pod along and then play back to a full one. Uh, it was actually off of 27 balls, oh, which is an unbelievable yeah. strike rate for me. David Milan. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to accelerate. That's the thing. I was about to accelerate. I bet you, you were. You nicked balls. off or something. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, um, that's the Rainstop Play team for today. Before we get into the county championship stuff, let's look at news because we've been away for a little while and plenty has happened. Let's start with the most recent news as of today. We're recording on Tuesday night is the England squad, Glenn, uh, for these two tests against New Zealand. Um, I think, as you said in the chat earlier, not not too many surprises, really. You know, um, I think we expect to see a lot of it. But talk us through who's in and uh, who's out. I think the first sort of caveat is that all the IPL players who are in the test squad have been rested for this series. Yeah, thanks so much for that, Dan. That's that's pretty much it. So the IPL players, Butler, Wotes, Curran, uh, Moeen, uh, Moeen Ali and Bairstow have all been given that break. Much needed. It makes sense. Um, also missing out because of injuries um, before we just get into the squad is Ben Stokes with his broken finger uh, and Joff Archer with an elbow injury. It's interesting. I was reading there's a little bit of miscommunication with the um, Sussex team. We might get onto it a little bit later in the pod with Archer kind of on the field, his captain seemingly thinking he was okay to bowl and he was injured. So that's obviously knocked on to the, um, to the England squad. And if he can't play, you know, uh, even part of a county championship game, there's no way he's going to get a five, five days out of him in the test squad. And you've got to look after your players. So that's definitely the right decision. Um, so yeah, we've got two, um, two uncapped players in the squad. It's 15 man squad for the two tests um, against New Zealand, which starts on the 2nd of June. That is James Bracey who has been a familiar name in our in our range stop play chat he's had a great season so far um uh, for gloucestershire we'll get on to them very exciting season for the club and then sussex seamer ollie robinson who's one of those names who's all like you know always on the periphery of england this is it's very odd that he hasn't managed actually to get to get a cap yet because he's been so consistent in recent seasons in the county team and importantly for the three somerset fans in this chat zach tim and i um uh, craig overton who's had an absolutely exceptional season for somerset has got a recall we do expect him to be taking uh, hopefully a game um so just to go through the whole squad uh, try and keep it concise we've got um captain joe root 
Jimmy Anderson, Bracey, uh, Stuart Broad, Rory Burns, probably can talk about him later, and whether he's really going to be one of the 11 when it comes down to it. Zach Frawley, Ben Folks, who we think will be keeping, and I think it will be his first time keeping on home soil in a test. Uh, Dan Lawrence, who's had a really decent um, season. Uh, really enjoying watching him. Uh, I think he's making a mark on the England team. Jack Leach as the sole spinner. Overton, Ollie Pope, who's in the runs again. Robinson, Sibley, Ollie Stone, who we quite liked um, a couple of weeks ago. I think there's a lot of good stuff uh, about his action and what he brings to the team. And finally, Mark Wood. So a pretty good pace attack, I would argue. Obviously, we are missing Archer, who, again, arguably hasn't still been proven as a consistent test threat over, you know, a sustained period with his injuries. Um but yeah, I mean, Zach, what do you what do you reckon? Is there anyone you think they've missed? What what, what are your views on that? I like that squad. I think it's quite there's there's a lot to be excited about. I like that squad, yeah, and I think it 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 should give an opportunity to the people who've been you know banging the door down. There's a good balance of the players who've proven themselves, and you know, well, I'm sure we'll come on to Ollie Pope has been brilliant, deserves his place. Dan Lawrence deserved their place after there would have been a few question marks after some you know, less than great performances, but no one really stood up in India. And yeah, those two, those two fast bowlers who have, you know, not that like Craig Overton's had a few caps, but he's not really ever proven himself. So it's a good chance for him. I, you know, the Somerset fan in me either doesn't want him to play or, you know, I want him to do well. I don't want to say I don't want him to do well, but I'd rather he wasn't picked and was winning the county championship for Somerset. But and Ollie Robinson kind of seems like he's been shoehorned always as one of those players who, oh, he's, he's really good at this level, but he's never going to cut it without ever being given a chance. So I'm, I'm glad he's finally got that chance. Can I, um, can I say I don't want Craig, Craig Overton to be picked for a different reason in so much as he has underwhelmed me so much in an England shirt, but I'm very <laughs> surprised he's back. I'm, okay, I'm not surprised he's back in the squad because his county championship figures this year speak for themselves, but he just bores the heck out of me. I'm sorry. He got that one what? Steve Smith wicket. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry, no, I can't. <laughs> since 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 2020, he's had an average of under 14 um, in the county I championship. Know, if you include I Bob know, as well. I know. But is Virat Cody going to be scared of him? No, no, he's not. I don't think anybody is. Not that I want him to scare people and bowls out to scare people. I just I'm, if I get proven one great, I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate on this one because um, maybe Ollie Robinson is the same thing. And obviously, as a Sussex fan, I'm very excited to see him there. And maybe he'll underwhelm at test level. But yeah. That's my one qualm with that. And uh, Don Bess's omission, anyone want to come in on that? I mean, that was that was foregone, really, wasn't it, after the India series? And he's just not been taking any wickets. And we'll come, we'll come on to it as we get into it. Um, for those watching this round of games, I think all of those players you mentioned, uh, Glenn, Barr, uh, Root and Robinson, because Yorkshire Sussex don't have a game this week, will be playing. So if you want to go and watch them, you know, see them might get picked, they'll, they'll be on the streams, etc. So... Um, some chances there for people. I'm excited to see that. Apart from Craig Overton, let's move on. Zach, um, you have <laughs> you have Cameron Bancroft news for us, and I, I I missed this by the way. I missed what it's all about. So inform me as well as the listeners. What's going on? Well, so Cameron Bancroft has arrived. He's he's going to be a Durham overseas player. So this has even county relevance. He he was with them a couple of years ago and he's back and he was really good. And he's just finished his quarantine period. So will be available to play. And he he did an interview with The Guardian where he was asked about the the famous ball tampering scandal. And he was specifically asked about whether the bowlers knew what he was what he was doing. And he kind of says he has a pause and he says, I'll, I'll quote what he said after he kind of gave a bit of a floundering answer. He said, 
he was asked the question again. He said, uh, yeah, look, I think, yeah, to the, uh, to the question of whether the bowlers knew what was going on. I think it's probably self-explanatory, which is not that surprising, but I feel like it's an angle of it. I've kind of forgotten about that the bowlers would have obviously knew, known what was going on. And Stuart Broad, obviously, you know, he loves giving his two pence in everything. So he's given his two pence and he said something like, Jimmy Anderson will get annoyed at me if I miss the seam by about two inches and leave a mark on the ball. And will be shouting at me saying, oh, come on, try and hit the seam, Brody. You're, you're ruining the ball. So he is, you know, thinks without a doubt that the bowlers knew. And it, if I think about it, you know, as we know on this podcast, I don't play cricket to any decent level. But I look at the ball and if the ball started doing stuff when I was bowling with it, I, I would notice because I'd be like, whoa, that's never happened before. Uh, my favourite contribution to the whole thing, though, has to be uh, David Warner's agent who has said, who's basically just said, I know the full story. The full story hasn't come out yet, but it will come out. So it's almost like David Warner setting himself up for his uh, his book deal he's going to get when he retires. Mm, mm, I like that. Um, I just want to add that it was quite funny, Zach, that the um, the the joint statement that the the fast bowlers released, uh, the Aussie bowlers referred, it, it, the implication was that Bancroft was a former player, which I did find quite funny. A few people picked <laughs> up on that as, on Twitter. I didn't pick up on that one. <laughs> I mean, the, the memes around it have been top notch. I saw one that was uh, that was saying, oh, people say that Australian wickets aren't very good for seam bowling, but look at the amount of grass left on this one. And it was just a picture of Cameron Bancroft batting. <laughs> <laughs> I I like it when cricket Twitter goes into overdrive and stuff like that. You know, some very creative people out there. So that's one to watch. That'll keep bubbling over the next, you know, well, until they retire, like you said, Zach, there's going to be something that comes after they're all, they're all long gone cricket wise, not, not dead. Although I'm sure in a hundred years or so they might be. I digress. Um, Tim, you have some stuff on ownership down in Bristol. Um, this is a, this is an interesting bit of news. Um, sort of, uh, people might have missed this one. So uh, tell us what's going on. Yeah, it's it, it's a story that manages to cover every sporting team I'm interested in, really. Uh, Richard Gould, who was chief executive of Surrey County Cricket Club and was already acclaimed to have done an absolutely fantastic job um, at maximising basically the commercial opportunities for Surrey, kind of doubling their membership to the highest since the post-war years. And, you know, I've been to a couple of um, Surrey T20 matches, uh, watching Somerset, total sell out at the Oval, you know, for domestic cricket. Great atmosphere. And funnily enough, the, what the um, ECB are trying to get is those new supporters. I mean, matches I've been to, probably half the people are quite really into the cricket. Half is just, it's, it is just a night out. It's something to do, which is fine. So is at the Oval for a county match. It's great. Um, Norwich Gould is this week decided he's going to leave Surrey and take up the job as chief executive of Bristol City. Um, there is a certain logic to it because his father's Bobby Gould, who previously worked at Bristol City um, as commercial director back at the start of his kind of working career. He then moved to Somerset Cricket and became chief executive there and again did a really good job and that got him the move to Surrey. And the thing is is that as throughout his time at Surrey he's been a fairly active, considering his role, um, opponent of the hundred. And his premise, which I can quite see having been to Surrey, is that you know Surrey sell out the 2020 matches, they take all kinds of people coming to watch it. There's children, there's families and for his, from his point of view, he's sort of saying, 
what's the point of the 100? You know, we, we, this is going, you know, the 2020, is, it does the job, it's going really well. Probably didn't do himself massive favours with coming out of the ECB kind of establishment side of it because they've been heavily promoted the 100. He also went to be um, Tom Harrison, the head of the ECB. He actually was interviewed alongside him when Tom Harrison got the job. Um, so it looks like he's basically, it seems to be a little bit coincidental that after his opposition to the 100, he's decided this is the time when he's going to leave cricket and he's going to move back down to the West Country, although he's always kept his house in Somerset, apparently, and he's going to take up the job at Bristol City, um, which is interesting because he's changing sports, which is fine. And he's got his dad, was Bobby Gould, a footballer, you know, played a lot, a manager, and most famously manager of Wimbledon and the FA Cup. Um, so there is obviously a football link there in the family, but lots of people tipped him to perhaps go on to a more major role in cricket at the um, UCB, um, maybe internationally. But he's obviously taken that decision at the moment, and I feel it's like a, it's a, a slightly odd spin-off with the hundred coming that one of the most able and most widely sort of respected cricket administrators in England has actually switched sports mm. at the moment, and he's actually going to he's going to move in June. So basically, about a month before the hundred starts, he leaves cricket and goes to football and joins Bristol City. I'm happy because I think he'll do a great job at Bristol City. Um, but it is interesting because Surrey, the turnover at Surrey is approximately 50 to 60 percent higher than Bristol City so he's moving in fact to a smaller organization in many ways so it's really quite an interesting situation I suspect that maybe in the future he will turn to cricket perhaps in a few years I'm sure that you know he's built up such a good reputation um, that if, if that opportunity came up he'd, he would return to cricket but just quite an interesting crossover of sports and how things happen and on a completely random side note to all of this Richard Gould's moving to Bristol City. James Bracey is a massive Bristol Rovers fan and has even been known to go and watch Rovers um, on a Saturday and then walk down the Gloucester Road and play for Gloucestershire in a 2020. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, just, just one note to add, I guess for international listeners, um, Bristol City, they're a football club and they're in the second division, the championship in the UK for anyone who might not be clear about that. But English listeners know the, the trials and tribulations of Bristol City well enough. <laughs> it's it's just such an interesting story. I, I love that if that is his opposition to the 100, he's willing to go to that, that many lengths. We just like to come on an hour a week and just bitch about it, but he's fully left his job uh, yeah. and just gone, you know what, no. <laughs> absolutely no to that so one to watch out for um thank you for that one tim um should we get stuck into the county champ then boys it's been yeah. a fun six rounds am i correct in saying six rounds by the way it's been six hasn't it we've got the seventh starting on thursday um so plenty of cricket to chat about and how we're going to go through it is not team by team like we did in the preview um and that's no disrespect to some teams who may or may not be out of it yet leicestershire and you know talk about the, the interesting stuff at the top uh you know, focusing on a few England players as well. Um, so we've got a game from each round to chat about um, from a variety of teams from different groups, and we'll try and wrap it all up in a neat little bow for you. Um, so, Tim, you, you've picked these games for us as sort of the, the highlights of, of the season so far. Uh, do you want to start with that first game um, on... It was April the 8th, so when, yeah, when, when we started. Surrey versus Gloucestershire. Uh, Gloucestershire winning this one by eight wickets in a pretty remarkable run chase. Um Talk us through this one and talk us through Gloucestershire because they they look pretty handy this year. Yeah, they've had they've had a really strong start. I'm quite pleased to having tipped them as a 
potential dark horse at the start. One of the, one of the predictions I got vaguely right. A few <laughs> but that, that's good for Rainstar play, Tim, because we're not normally very good at that. So <laughs> it's just you and Will and Sunrises and Gloucestershire so far after after nearly a year of making podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was an interesting um, yeah it was a really it was a really great start. It sort of it was a start actually that um, you, you'd have hoped for in in the county championship and that it was a, a really kind of tight finish. And so first inning, sorry, 220. Um, Gloucester should take a lead on the first innings because they get 326. And then Surrey scored 333 in the second innings. And you kind of think, oh, this is going to be tricky because it ended up that Gloucester uh, were left with scoring about 240-ish, about 230 to win. Um, but only off about 45 overs. And they started really slowly, but they kind of paced it. And this is like an an interesting take. They paced it so that when they got to the last 20 overs, they could basically play as a a 20-20 because it looked like it was heading for a draw. So with 20 overs to go, they still needed about 150. And then Graham Van Bowen and Chris Dent just started teeing off. Um, so Van Bowen got 110 off of 98 balls, Dent got 91 off of 92, and this is on the Sunday evening, day four of a county championship match. So it's supposed to be you know, playing on the fourth day. That even if the pitch isn't doing much, by the fourth day, four days of solid cricket is going to be giving you, you know, going to be theoretically at least a little bit trickier to bat than a belting one-day pitch. But they just knocked it off, and they actually knocked off the 229 runs um, in 37 overs. And as I said, they'd started really slowly. And I thought, just thought it was heading for a draw, and I was sort of keeping track a bit. And I just remember thinking, oh, that, that's they've speeded up a bit. Oh, I might actually put that bet, put this on because they're suddenly going <laughs> to win. It did. And they lost two wickets. And as I said, it was that. And it's a tactic. I mean, other teams, of course, should have tried it as well, but other teams have realised, actually, the skill in 2020 batting now, crossing over from like you know, the IPO matches you've looked at, it's got to the point now where players say, don't care, it's the fourth day of a county championship match, we're going to set it up so that we can get it down to, say, 140, 150 of the last 20, we're going to go for it. I think it's... It's not even the only time that Gloucestershire, not quite to that extent, but they chased down 340, 48 it was against Leicestershire a couple of weeks ago. And that was kind of, it's not, it wasn't quite as gung ho, but it was, you know, it was off of about 70 overs and it was, they were smacking it. They needed, I think they needed 60 or 70 off the last 10 overs of the day. And they just went for, it. I mean, it, it says something about the, the way those Bristol pitches that they've, you know, quite famously flatten out over the four days, but still like the, you know, like you say, the skill from T20 coming into it is, is such an interesting aspect of that's, that's properly emerged into county championship now. I agree, Zach. And for me, this felt like a bit of a statement win because I know, as you said, you said, Dan, you know, uh, this was early April. So we were just getting into the swing of the county championship. I don't think any of us, as, as you said, Tim, expected them to, to, to take on this run chase and that we were expecting a draw, just just a draw to play itself out and for it to be two decent teams um, getting some points. But the way that Gloucestershire really took the game by the scruff of the neck and chased the run so confidently, they only lost two wickets. Bracey, who I think is their top scorer, didn't really get many runs, so it shows the depth of their top four. Um, and the bowling figures for some of the Surrey guys, I mean, some of them are on 10 and over, some of them are on 8 and over in a county championship game. So it was a, it was a, a statement win for Gloucester and 
be a bit humiliating for Surrey to be turned over on the final day. That that's kind of my my biggest takeaways from it. Surrey have had a few of them as well, slightly embarrassing turnouts. We can come on to them in a bit, but you know, as you picked Tim um, quite masterfully, if I may say, so that, that these were going to be a good team this year. They were obviously promoted in 2019, um, couldn't get promoted because the, the season's changed now. So they're, they're obviously a very good squad. Um, on England Watch, we mentioned James Bracey at the top of the show. He's averaging 53 um, so far this season, so doing very handily. But who else is at Gloucestershire doing, you know, doing the heavy lifting for them? Why is this team uh, under? Are they undefeated? They are undefeated, aren't they? Yeah, they've won four, lost none. So why are they still undefeated, and who's who's looking after that team? Well, they've got they've got Ryan Higgins is an all-rounder who we talked about before, and he's you know Kemp in Middlesex, and he's just been a really kind of consistent performer for them for a number of years but if it was like he's kind of notched up a level um and it's just been bowling you know really well and taking lots of wickets scoring the runs and just being a really top class county championship all-rounder and even to the point that you know i've read a couple of things where his name was like being mentioned about playing for england um Going back, segwing back to what you're saying about Greg Overton, but Ron Higgins is, if you think Greg Overton's not that quick, Ron Higgins, you know, he is a classic medium pacer. So, um, and even to the point where Ian Cobain for Gloucestershire came in and um, hadn't played a first class match for, I think it was at least two years, possibly three, and um, he's come in in smacking runs. And it was interesting. I read a, a, a sort of listen, listen to interview with James Bracey, did a podcast with uh, ESPN Quick Info, and he was talking about the fact it's it for Mental Health Awareness Week, and he was talking about the fact in the Gloucestershire dressing room they've had a lot of players, Tom Smith, um, and Bowen, that have had lots of personal issues, um, family things, all kinds of things, um, and he just says that they talk. They said they're an incredibly tight knit group. He said they're really supportive of each other, and he said you know it's just a team. It's not just beyond team spirit. It's at the bond between all the members of the team. They've supported each other through some really like massive personal things. And he said that you know that they've got a style of play. They all buy into it, and that's where he thinks the success has come from. Should we should we chat about Surrey, who were playing in that game as well? Um, I think so they're, they're fourth in Group Two at the minute, having won one, lost two, drawn three. They're on 68 points, which is sort of they're 20 in front of Middlesex in fifth and about 20 behind Hampshire in third. They're a little bit stranded. I think we kind of had this, boys, in, in the previews, them being a little bit of an underwhelming side, despite the size of the team and the sort of expectations of, of a county like Surrey. So, well, I think it's played out, as we said. Should we repeat ourselves in the preview, Zach? But then obviously Ollie Pope's doing very well. So that, that's nice from an England point of view. Yeah, I mean, for them... I think they're the county that will be most worried about the England games happening because they're losing Pope, who's got 518 runs, Burns, who's got 386, and Folks, who's got 297. That's three of their top five run scorers. And they've, you know, even with those runs in the side, they've not been winning games, like you say, Dan. And they've played a few, you know, they've played out a few draws. There was there was one game that was, it was against Leicestershire that there was, it was just a, an absolute road at the Oval. And then they've had, you know, Hashim Amla's been re- doing really well. But, yeah, they're going to be really worried. And they had, yeah, I mean, the game at the weekend had 60 overs against Somerset. They'd really hoped to have won that if they were going to be looking to push up into that top two. But, yeah, like you say, they're quite far away. And it's it's a strong group, that group B. It's a strong group because you've got Hampshire and, Somer- uh, Hampshire and Gloucestershire, obviously both very strong. And then 
Somerset, of course. And Middlesex have looked good, but they've really let themselves down, I think, so far. So Surrey, uh, I don't, I still, yeah, like we said before, I think Surrey are going to, well, they've been underperforming so far and I think it's going to continue. Yeah, I think that's, that's spot on, Zach. And I think we kind of, we kind of had that at the start of the season and, the, and there it is. And I'm sure we mentioned that as soon as England games start, they lose the core of their squad and that will happen. Um, so let's come on to the second game that you picked out, Tim. It was Essex versus Durham uh, at Chelmsford. Essex won by 44 runs after being bowled out for 96 in the first innings. I remember this one now. It's all coming flooding back to me. Um, let's start with Essex and their position. They are somehow... I say somehow that they're still top of a very close, very tight group one on 76 points. They have won two, lost two, drawn two. But I just don't feel like they're quite worth that, if you know what I mean, with some of their some of their performances. Um, I think it was Warwickshire they lost to, which 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 their winning run came to an end. Um, and then that dodgy little win against Durham. What, what do we think so far to them? Um, I mean, that game especially was fascinating, wasn't it? But that. They've still got the nucleus of a team that could go on and do it, despite them losing a little bit of form, Glenn. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. I mean, just looking at um, quite a few of their players, I mean, they've got the the leading wicket-taker at the minute um, in the spinner, Harmer, from South Africa, which he's on 34 wickets now, so just a couple clear of Overton second. So he's having a fantastic season. Um, I mean, his average, quite interestingly, is quite a bit higher, probably because of the amount of overs he's bowling. I mean, just looking at the stats now, you have to go down to about number 10 in the wicket-taking mm-hmm. table to have someone with his average of around the, above the 20 mark. But I mean, he's bowling a lot of overs. Um, he's got you know, nine wicket haul um, so far this season. And it's just it's just looking really, really impressive. Um, and in addition, they've got a couple of batsmen, especially Wesley and Lawrence, um, who are actually back-to-back in the table. I think they're around 7th, 8th-ish, around that mark for, for run scorers. So uh, I used a good word there, Darren. They, they, do have the, they have the real core, the real nucleus of a very competitive team. It just really, for me, depends on if they can really just push through, keep collecting points. Um, Lawrence, I think, um, will be, will be um, missed um, for them. Um, but I, I've been impressed. I never know what to expect. I mean, obviously they've they've got the they've got the pedigree, and you probably have a high expectation. But with the new format, I think I wasn't too sure where you assume it probably would suit them. But yeah, you know they're just they're just a really good county. I think that's the bottom line. They've got some really seasoned players, um, and I think I'd be surprised for them to drop off um, so far. I think they've they've shown they've shown their quality. I think to summarise. Yeah, and I think I think the thing is with Essex, and this is why I found this 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 second match this match repeats out because it was like depressingly familiar as a Somerset fan of Essex. You think, oh, finally someone's gone. They've gone. They can't get out of this. They can't. Oh no, they've done it. <laughs> and um and actually, as I was doing my rain chasing cricket watch over the weekend, I ended up watching a bit of Essex because they actually were playing. I think at one point they were the only match playing, and I think it was I think it was Leicestershire they were playing. It's a good. Derbyshire, Derbyshire was it? Yeah, but it was one in a way because the weather wasn't great and the Derbyshire could just have batted out a bit. There was a fair chance that at some point there might be bad light, and you're like, you know what? You think just when you think I was Derbyshire, you think when just when they get to that point that actually they think, yeah, they look fairly comfortable. It looks like there's going to be a bit of bad light unless it's get a wicket, and then just as the weather's closing in, they're talking about the commentators talking about oh, there's a bit of rain clouds behind the stand. And guess what? They get the last wicket. You're like, and I think what it is is that what Essex have got is they have got the winning mentality. They know how to win. And I think to be fair, Somerset have got that as well. 
and they just can pull it out of the bag time after time. I think as a team, watching this year, I think as a team, it's kind of coming to the end of its cycle as a kind of top team, because I think, you know, Tender Shuttle, maybe how long is he going to be playing for Cook, you know, another year or two. So I think, you know, as a team, they may well carry on for another year or two, but I think that this group of players for Essex, that is going to be very Jamie Porter, you know, it's... Um, so yeah, I think this match from I kind of picked it up and it was like, oh no, they've done it again. I think they just demonstrated a total winning mentality, basically. Yeah. It's it's exactly what I was gonna say, Tim. I feel like I've watched this game so many times <laughs> where I watch I watch a team thinking they're gonna chase down because I think it was it was a game I think Somerset's game had finished early or something, so I was watching the end of this Essex Durham game and again the same with the Derbyshire game, thinking Oh, I'll watch a bit of Essex, but every time I watch Essex, they end up pulling out of the bag. But they can't, surely not this time. But they managed it. And the Derbyshire game, like you say, yeah, I watched a bit. Derbyshire were 150 off for three in their second innings, cruising, bit of rain. I was like, oh, they've gone off for rain. There's no way now. But yeah, oh, they, they, yeah, like you said, they managed to get it done, and it looks like now they've. This big, I think this this win this weekend when everyone else is drawn is going to be huge for them. And they were, you know, they were fourth or fifth in the table. And we've spoken about it on IPL pods, Dan. They were they were down in their table, but that that group is so tight that it was one it's, win on a weekend when no one else wins that it, that was going to take it to the top. It could be season changing that one. You're spot on. If we look at Group One now, I think it was in the news of a pod, maybe maybe the last part of the one before Zach, but it was like top four were separated by two points and you're like okay it's early in the season but we're six games in now and the top five which is you know five out of six in the group are separated by nine points and that's what's that a few extra batting points uh bonus points here and there essex are atop of that at the minute on 76 but you're going to have to warwick fifth on 67 and that is anyone's game so that was a huge win um second in that group of durham um who somehow lost this game but I'm I'm impressed with Durham. I, I I don't think we gave them enough, um, you know, props perhaps in our in our preview. I know they've sort of been languishing in Division Two for a few years, so I didn't think much of them. But they sit second in Group Two at the uh, in Group One at the minute, and they had an unbelievable May. Um, they sort of had a their April was like yeah, a couple win, a uh, couple draws and a loss, standard Durham stuff. But they've beaten Worcestershire and Warwickshire in May. Um, two really impressive wins and a lot to talk about this lot I mean congratulations to Chris Rushworth as well who becomes their all-time leading wicket taker for the county and yeah I'm just impressed by Durham can can they maintain this for the rest of the season though I feel like they've got an innings defeat in them somewhere along the line I personally think they can I think they've looked really good and you know this group's tight and no one the, the teams that we picked that were going to be there or thereabouts I feel like we mentioned Worcestershire, who have disappointed me so far. They've just been, I don't know, I think they need to talk to their um, their groundsman and get him to give the bowlers something, because yeah. they're just Rose. Warwickshire have, Warwickshire have done exactly what we said they they would do. Looked really good at times, but have underperformed. And Knotts have, Knotts have looked okay, but I think out of those teams, Durham have been, been the one that's impressed me the most. And with, you know, Woody's played a little bit for them and he's been really good obviously Rushworth and this this David Beddingham who you know we talked about him in the preview pod because he hit a double time well, in that I, first I think, game I think we accidentally called him Daniel Beddingfield in, in the, in the <laughs> preview pod so we've really built him up with, with the wrong name there and now he's uh, he's averaging 89 so maybe we should start naming everybody else pop stars we want to do well do you want to start mispronouncing the, the Somerset team as pop stars and maybe they'll start performing a bit well maybe some of the batsmen that would be good but yeah it's, his, it's only his second se- season at Durham he 
He has an ancestry visa because he's born in South Africa, but has an ancestry visa. Yeah, Don't know cool. how that works. Yeah, checks out by me. I'll give it a yeah, thumbs not, up. Not my area of expertise. But yeah, he's, he, so he joined last season and was kind of thought of as a white ball player before he joined and then didn't do that well in the white ball stuff, but did quite well in the Bob Willis Trophy. And then this season's obviously done brilliantly. There was talk a, a, couple, a few weeks ago about who was going to be the man to get to a thousand runs at the end of May. And it looks like no one's going to do it now unless he scores something silly in these next two games but yeah he's he's been fantastic so far and you know if he keeps this up maybe england will come calling but he needs to do this for a while first steady steady <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting because he's he's about 75 odd runs clear ish um in in first place um ahead of morgan's carlson who we can talk about and yeah he's had us he's had an absolutely stunning stunning season i mean Average, as you said, Dan, of nearly 90 um, after nine innings is absolutely ridiculous. And we know that huge double hundred will come into it. Um, but I mean, what a player. And he's the one, you know, doing a bit of preparation for this podcast before we started recording over the weekend. And his name just keeps coming up because he's been really consistent. Um, it is, it's, you know, it's 200s, 250s. Um, a couple of people below him have got more 50s. And that big score does make a dent in those one in those runs, right? But yeah, w- what an impressive start to the season. I think, that, again, they've got, you know, talking about Beddingham, Lees, and then some very decent bowlers as well. And as you said, Rushworth and Cars, they've got, they've got the core of a very tidy side as well. Um, and to my knowledge, shouldn't be too affected with England call-ups, um, if that's correct. So that that could really be an advantage in the next couple of weeks. Those teams who are already doing well without the England cohort, they don't have to change much. So it might be something to keep tabs on. Spot on. I think when we compare that to Surrey as well, that's huge. And I mean, unless Scott Borthwick gets a, a surprise call-up to bat three and bowl <laughs> a few half-tracking leggies again, I think they'll be okay. <laughs> Um, but it's hope for Durham <laughs> fans anyway. Um, let's come on to the third game you've picked, Tim, which was Hampshire-Gloucestershire, which ended up in a draw, but uh, Gloucestershire, who were following on, finished on 197 for nine. Um, chat a little bit about why you picked this game, and then let's chat about Hampshire, who have not come on to yet, who were probably the the early high flyers after we all, I think, picked them as well. And then it was just sort of tailed off a little bit midway through the season. Yeah, it's really interesting because, um, you know, we, we've talked about Gloucestershire, but I think it just emphasises the kind of the strong team spirit. The, um, it, Hampshire scored 470, um, Gloucestershire then scored 320 and ended up having to follow on. And I just thought, ah, that's, that's Hampshire are going to win. They're, they, you know, they, they've got, you know, with Cole Abbott, Mohamed Abbas, Liam Dawson is a spinning option. Um Keith Barker, who come on to actually later, I think he's just had a great season. Um, batting has been amazing, actually. But, you know, it's a good, obviously, quite heavily a bowler and has bowled really well. And I just thought there's no way Gloucestershire are going to survive. Um, so they had to bat for a long time. And they kept, um, Hampshire kept chipping wickets away. Um, but it got down to the last two. Um, Dom Goodman, who was playing his second first class match to the student next to university. Um, and Josh Shaw and there were still um, 20 overs to go uh, against wow. that attack of Abbas, Carl Abbott uh, Barker, Dawson and Hampshire and obviously they could put as many close, they have close fielders in everywhere, <laughs> short leg short mid wicket, the slips gullies <laughs> um, and they, 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 they survived, they stayed there and so Goodman in his second first class match got nine runs off of 48 deliveries. Oh, and Josh proper. Shaw got 23 off of 58. 
they survived their, the last 20 overs and at the end in contrast to the you know the previous one we looked at with the Essex who just somehow found a way to win Hampshire this season just don't seem to be able to find that way to win they've had some great performances they've had some good wins but they don't seem to have that killer killer instinct um to win uh they did win at the weekend in a very a match where actually Middlesex basically chucked it away on the Saturday because if they could just have passed it to Sunday it was going to rain all day in London but Middlesex completely messed <laughs> it up um and let Hampshire kind of cruise through um but even then uh, Hampshire kind of they they, they you didn't have any great confidence on the Saturday that Hampshire were going to do it. It was more like Middlesex messed it up. Um, but this match, I thought it was a real, a, a real marker. We never talked about Gloucestershire, but a real marker for them. And it was just that kind of, yeah, you thought of Hampshire, I think they've kind of um, underperformed to what we maybe thought at the start of the season. It might, might be they get into Division 1. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I can see them just missing out. And I think with the team they've got, I'd say that'd be a massive disappointment for them. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good um, a really good summary, especially of Hampshire's inconsistencies. One player I want to pick up is, pick up on is James Vince. Um, so they did a bit of a comparison between Vince and Beddingham because they both got really big scores at the start of the um, start of the year. I think we had mentioned them both on our original pod listing back to that. Um, so Vince, um, he's got 412 runs, but he scored over half of them in one innings um, of 231. And looking at his recent scores. Um, oldest first, 9-0, So we thought he might be potentially, you know, being talked about you, in, at least potentially in this England squad. And <laughs> Sorry. It Sorry is, I, I, know you're, I know you're not a fan, Dan, but after after that huge tur- after that huge double hundred, I think he was he, he pushed himself back into contention. I think, yeah, the. the the same old story for him. I think it was it was interesting to compare the two, whereas Beddingham has kicked on, whereas Vince has really struggled for that constant. Well, for that triple figures, he hasn't got that in the last, I want to say, like eight or so innings. Yeah, it's interesting because at this point in the season when Hampshire played Gloucestershire, Hampshire were the team to beat. You know, their, their batting lineup was going well. And, you know, that opening pair of Abbott and Abbas is always going to be, you know, scary. But since then, they've only... Since that game, they've only got to 250 once, and that was in the their second innings against Somerset when they were when they had a 260, well they had a 256 deficit or something. So that game was already, you know, the weather was the only thing that was going to save them then. So it's, you know, they they've kind of I feel like the old Hampshire has come back where they can't their batting is just frail and it's failing, which didn't seem like it was the case everyone in their top six was contributing those first early weeks and I think you know like you say Middlesex I I think you summed up their season brilliantly there Tim they just threw it away like they have done so many times this season twice against Somerset and this game against Hampshire particularly but yeah Hampshire I I think they're going to miss out just about like you said Dan could we say just a quick point in the bowling would, would you argue that Abbott and Abbas as a duo are possibly one of the strongest two quick bowlers in the in the county championship at the minute. Would you argue they're they're that good a pairing, right? And that probably should be pushing them higher up the table. It's just showing how bad their batsmen are. If you can't win games with those two, or you can't be top of your table with those two, because Mohammed Abbasman making people look silly all, all spring, really, hasn't he? Um, 
And that, yeah, I think it's bottom with Hampshire. And um, looking at the run scoring chart, James Vince is the highest one, fairly you know mid table. And like you said, Glenn, he got half of them in, in one knock. So yeah, it'll be interesting if they can kick on because um, these guys should be in Division One, really, shouldn't they? Um, okay, let's move on to the next game you picked out, Tim, which is Yorkshire Northants, uh, which finished in a Yorkshire win by one run. I mean, how could you not pick that game, right? Um, <laughs> was I mean, I, I, I didn't even notice this game happened. If you go, if, if you went back to the pod where I think I read about it before we came on to record, I was like, oh, sugar, Yorkshire won by a run. That was a pretty cool game. Um, how did this game, how did this game pan out then? Um, how do you, how do you win by one run? That, that just seems impossible in the grand scheme of things, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it was basically, it was kind of just, it was neck and neck through this match. So Yorkshire first innings, 206, Northampton 234, so a slight lead. Then Yorkshire all out for 247. So really, it was kind of like completely even. Um, and Northamptonshire ended up with a um, victory target of 219. And it looked like, it looked like they were going to do it um, sort of through the day, but it was Yorkshire kept chipping away, chipping away. And it was one of the, is what has been really great about, you know, as I said about the whole streaming thing is that when the teams perhaps I'm following more have finished and their matches are done, you think, well, what's happening? And you look around and sort of, you know, five o'clock on a Sunday, and you think, oh, that, that's getting really close, that one. I'll have a look at that. And I watched the last sort of hour and, um, I genuinely thought Northampton were going to do it. I thought they were just going to edge over the line. But it was, again, coming back to that winning mentality because it felt like the Northampton players just didn't quite know what to do. Whereas a lot of the Yorkshire players, because they had a lot of their kind of players who played test cricket, Root was playing, you got balance playing. You had a lot of experienced players playing in the Yorkshire team who didn't panic. They kept, you know, they just kept at it. And I feel if it had been the other way around, Yorkshire would probably have got the runs in that situation because in that pressure situation they'd have had the experience to get through it it was interesting because rain parnell who's been um you know played for different counties bit of a veteran now um, south african but he's got five for 64 in the first innings so really put them in put them in a really good position um and it was him trying to guide them home he was the only player really with kind of that kind of big match experience in the northampton team so it was really interesting that he was the one who ended up there. And as I was watching it, I thought he's going to do it. You know, he's just going to shepherd them home. And it just basically, it got to, they were within one run of winning. And he thought the shot was on. He thought he was going to smash a four. And he just kind of mistimed it. I mean, it, it, it was it was a shot that if he'd just been, had a touch of luck, it might just have fallen short of the fielder, gone for a couple of runs, and they'd have won. It was that close. And the poor bloke at the end of it, he was just there on the pitch, head down, couldn't believe it. Because when you're that close and you know that one shot um, will do it. And it was just an incredibly tense finish to to a match. I mean, it was just fantastic. And just, you know, not a fan of either team. So um, I guess I wanted Northampton to win just because they're the kind of smaller team. It It would have been a massive win for Northampton. So... It felt a bit like an opportunity kind of missed, but I did feel at the end of it, it was the Yorkshire had enough players with the experience. They didn't panic. They kept at it, even when it was just down to run. 
and Northampton a lot of their players weren't quite sure well where do we go with this so just it was a great match and at least it wasn't what Shannon Gabriel did that one time against was it Pakistan where he just he just tried to slog sweep and then they were just trying to block out for yeah. a draw so you know there's always a silver lining isn't there um, Zach, do you want to chat about Yorkshire because you you seemed underwhelmed by them before we went on to record, and they're they're top of Group Three. And I watched, I, they were on Sky, weren't they this week? They got there the Sky game. Uh, they didn't look great, to be fair. It was a pretty boring game. Rain stopped play there very often. Um, so give us a bit of a bit of a Yorkshire angle from from your local team. Well, so yeah, uh, first of all, I am actually going to watch Yorkshire versus Sussex day one in Huge. a couple of weeks' time. And That's I've also so got exciting. tickets for, for Northern Diamonds versus Central Sparks, which is the first Williams. game at Headingley, which is the he- Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy on the 29th of May. So mm. very wow, exciting a bit of live sport. Beautiful. I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, I think Yorkshire have been, you know, underwhelming. If you look at their... They've kind of just gotten over the line a couple times. That Sussex game, Sussex should have won. Again, Sussex had a first innings lead. They battered Kent, which is fair enough. Kent have been terrible this season. They, they That first game of the season, they should have lost to Glamorgan and got saved by the snow. And then they've just, you know, they drew against Glamorgan again. They drew against Kent and they won this game against Northants when they probably shouldn't have. Again, I think they've just, if you look at the, the team they've got, you know, it's a bit like Surrey. They should be doing better. They should be dominating. They've got so much international experience. I think they probably will be quite happy with the test squad, the way it's come out. Not that we were really expecting Bairstow or Milan to make it in there, but they're both, they're two very good batsmen at county championship level. So them coming back will be nice because they've not, they've not scored that many runs so far, Yorkshire, and they've got a, they've got a decent enough bowling attack. I, I expect them to make it into division one. And obviously they have, they are top of their group, but I don't expect them to be challenging for the for the county championship. No, I, I think I'm with you, despite where Yorkshire sit in the table and having watched them in that one game. They're it's not it's not the strongest group in the world, and it's sort of them and Lancashire have slightly pulled away at Group Three. So yeah, I think I'm with you. Yeah, just looking at you know the runs table. So Adam Lyde, their opener, currently sits fourth um, in the highest run scorers across the three groups, um, doing very nicely, a couple of hundreds, quite a few fifties. Uh, Dan, is there any way? How many runs would he have to score? He's 33. His average is 20 for England. How many runs does he need to be uh, to be back in the fold? <laughs> Three to four thousand. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen Dan and Dan and Tim shake their heads as much as they were both shaking them then. It's a question. It's just a question. I should have hung up like Tim did before we came on. <laughs> I've had enough of that. I'm just gonna hang up. <laughs> Um, yeah, That's I mean, <laughs> I, you know what, Glenn, I'm, I'm taking the mick out of you here, but I think I want to say, Zach, I tabled this in, in, in a pod, in an IPL pod in the news section because he was getting them at a cracking rate and not see sort of a bit of a, you know, counter attacking opener. Uh, he couldn't do that in English shirt again. He was, he was pretty useless, wasn't he? But, uh, you know, they got, they got a few people to come back. They could do something. I mean, Zach, do you, do you want to say anything about Adam Lyde? He seemed to be defending him there. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, you know, I think we did talk about it because he hit he hit like 99 off of 99 balls that or something. Was it, yeah. it was it was it was great fun, but we got a bit excited. I, think, I don't we? see it. I don't I don't see it working. Northamptonshire in the preview, we kind of um, dismiss them in the nicest possible way, um, but actually they they proved to be better than that, and they probably should have beaten Yorkshire, 
And the next match we're coming on to, they had a thumping win against Sussex. And you know, if they beat in Yorkshire, if they actually beat in Yorkshire, they actually would have been, you know, actually in contention to get through to the next round. So it's fine margin. Should we should we come on to that Sussex game now? I think that's a, that's a nice little segue to it because um, Northampton's won this game. Uh, when was this? This was a couple rounds ago. They won it by an innings and 120 runs. Uh, Sussex were bowled up for 106 in that first innings, which was an unbelievably high score compared to where were they, Zach? Was it 25 for seven at one point? Um, that that's probably been the most amusing scorecard of the season so far at, at that point. Uh, and then you know they were never going anywhere near that Northants um, score. I'll I'll go on to Sussex for a bit because I've I've watched two of their games now. I watched them at Kent this week, which was a pretty bad game because of the rain. And I watched a bit of this Northants game because I wanted to see the collapse with, with my very own eyes. And it's been the third innings, hasn't it? There's I can't remember again on top of my head, but either either when Sussex bat first, I think twice or maybe three times they've put a competitive 250 plus, maybe 300 plus on the scoreboard, bowled the team out for with a 50, 100 lead and then get skittled in that third or vice versa. They won't bowl so well in the third and have an unassailable lead in the fourth. Um, it's, 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 they're doing about as we expect. I think the captain Ben Brown is, it sounds, is saying good noises, you know, that this is a young team, which it is. And they're actually perform very well in periods against some teams that are a lot better than them. But it's this performing in periods that means, you know, they're not going to win a game. They've won just once um, a couple of decent draws here and there. So, yeah, I think they're doing what we expected, Zach, right? I mean, I don't know if you've watched much of Sussex, but doing what we expected. Um, Delroy Rawlins isn't doing enough, unfortunately, because he's my, he's my shout. He's my guy and he can't quite get it going. He's taken a few wickets, though, which is fun. Um, Jack Carson, the young spinner, is doing really, really well. So that that's a bright one for the future. And I think that's where a lot of this positive noise is coming from, is there's a few good young guys in this team. And that's about all you can expect from Sussex at the minute, really. Plus plus Ollie Robinson, of course, he's doing great. Yeah, I think, like you say, it's about all we expected. They've, If anything, they've been disappointing compared to what we expected because they've looked so good at times. Like you say, they've, they've batted really well and they've given themselves leads. And, you know, at least twice have I seen them have a... 50 to 100 lead on first innings against well, against Yorkshire they had it against I can't remember what the other one was but yeah at least twice they've had a 100 lead and like you say against Kent it was the third innings that they Kent battered them out of the game and yeah it's been disappointing because we don't expect much from them but then they have looked so good at times and yeah Ollie Robinson in that Northants game you know didn't save them with the bat but 49 not out in you know, mm-hmm. the 106 all out is, you know, where where should he bat for England is a, is a question. A we great could, question. That is, you'd think he'd to. be you'd think he'd be above Broad and Anderson probably would if he plays. So, oh, gosh, that sounds a bit high eight for England, isn't it? Volley Robinson, who'd be at seven then? Oh, gosh, Leach is in there. He'd be at seven. <laughs> he's a seven. There we go. I'll decide that he's a seven. Oh, gosh. The tail's going to be long, isn't it, against New Zealand? That, that'll be a bit of fun. That's for a different podcast, though. Uh, so, yeah, about as we expected for Sussex. Um, the last game you pick for us, Tim, uh, is Durham against Worcestershire. Durham winning by 258 runs. Pretty huge. This is the one of the two wins I mentioned in May where they beat Worcestershire and Warwickshire. Pretty pretty statement wins. Um, chat about this game a little bit, Tim, and then let's just talk about Worcestershire because they are still yet to win. 
yet they sit, you know, in that pretty impressive battle in Group One on 73 points, so three points behind the, sorry, 70 points, excuse me, um, six points behind the leaders. So, what's going on at Worcestershire, especially, and and what happened in that game? Yeah, well, I think just just as slightly talk back to the Southampton because of course in that match it was um, Sanderson got Ben Sanderson got 10 wickets and Gareth Bird got 9 so they took the two bowlers for um, Northampton took 19 wickets um, which obviously you don't get often um, which nicely segues into the fact that Chris Rushworth took his 510th wicket but in the process perhaps he's gone over 500 in the previous match but more crucially he got 9 wickets and became the leading wicket taker in the history of Durham cricket which was an amazing achievement um, this match, it, it was a little tricky over this round, partly, well, largely because of the weather, which was absolutely shocking. And in a way, it was amazing that any matches finished. Um, this was the one that was the most genuine kind of match result, I felt, looking at them. And I know we have talked about Durham, but it was a solid, solid performance by them. Uh, slightly ironically, when the weather was awful, that it was Chester was the Chester the Street was the place to be. And they they scored 246 in their first innings, and Worcestershire 213. So they've conceded the lead of just over 30, which, you know, first innings you wouldn't be too worried about um, necessarily. But it was the second innings where Durham scored 389. And there's a couple of younger batsmen, Jack Byrne, who I don't know much about, I'm afraid he scored 100. Will Young, who's a New Zealander, scored 100. And that had been backed up in the first innings by Alex Lee scoring uh, 99. So he didn't get to his 100. He'd moved up from Yorkshire a little while ago, I think. But And then uh, Rushworth then had that great bowling performance, second innings, and they bowled Worcestershire for 164. Um, so in the end, it was as a victory by 258 runs, which... You know, that is a big win. Um, and against a Worcestershire team that I thought would be doing better than they are. Um, I mean, they're fourth in the table and it's that very tight group one table. So they're still got every chance of getting into the next round. But I just haven't got an um, expectation. They, they've, have, they've, been, they've been scoring runs generally. Um, and it was Jake Libby who's got, yeah, he's... Yeah, high score of 180, scored a couple of hundreds. Um, bowling attack looks like looked like on paper fairly solid county attack, but it just doesn't seem to be quite happening for them. I thought they'd be performing a little stronger, and I think, think the fact that Durham, who we've talked about, I know, but we'll be saying you know are looking fairly solid, but not perhaps likely to get through to the next round, and yet they've absolutely thumped Worcestershire, which must be a bit of a worry for Worcestershire. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was a great great win for for Durham, and I think for Worcestershire, probably you know a pretty disappointing result really. Is it is it a story of just the pitches, Zach? Are we talking just roads here? Because I'm looking at Worcestershire, the amount of declarations I'm seeing in their games, or you know teams not getting bowled out, people not taking 20 wickets. This is Worcestershire and the opposition, by the way. I'm not having to go at Worcestershire here. Um, to be involved in five draws is a little bit strange, really, isn't it? I think you'd expect at some point a result to be had by them. But they haven't always played at New Road, so I don't really know what's going on there. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one because you'd expect 
it to be if their groundsman is just producing roads then it's going to just be when they play at home that it's going to happen mm. you know but it's it's happening everywhere and it's it's strange i don't i i wouldn't have necessarily thought of Worcestershire as having a stronger batting lineup than their bowling i think of their bowling lineup as as top quality and they were they were really good last year and took somerset really close in their in the central group whatever it's called and this time round, yeah they're a bit disappointing i don't know if they've kind of gone all in with the extra points you're getting with a draw which i think has kind of caused yeah. a few of early season pitches to be a bit flatter than we would usually expect them to be but which which i i mean i, I maybe we can come talk about that i i kind of get maybe the ecb want people to produce better pitches so people bat for longer and there's been a lot more runs, I think, in this than there was, you know, two years ago in the championship. Even last year was a bit different because they played in August. But especially at this point, two years ago, I don't think there were many people on 500 runs. And there's, you know, there's a few. So I I don't I don't like the playing for draws, wickets kind of thing. It's kind of a bit boring. I like the games like Yorkshire and Northants, where it's 200 plays 200 plays 200 plays 200. Yeah. I think that's much more interesting. And you know, I mean, it kind of maybe comes as a bias point. Somerset never hit 400. If Somerset hit 400, something's going wrong. Somerset play on wickets where there's, you know, there's results. <laughs> so that's it, isn't it? You just want to see, you just want to see the other counties suffer, don't you? That's <laughs> that's how it wants to be. Oh, no, I agree with you, and I think I see, I see where these be coming from. But I, is it really going to help our batsmen that much? Having a slightly flatter wicket here and there, I don't really know. But just look, just finish off on Worcestershire. I've only just scanned the wicket-taking list, but their top yeah. wicket-taker this season is Bernard on 12, pretty much bottom of that list. And there's the Brett Dolivera's under there, who I'm sure is only part-time, or maybe like a second leg spinner, with 12 wickets apiece. So it seems like they, they can put runs on and then not bowl teams out. So, you know, it's just going to be a never-ending cycle for them. Which is interesting because you look at their, I look at their bowling attack and Barnard's good, you know, Dolivera is a good kind of part time. I feel like he usually plays as their own only spinner. And then they've got Joe Leach, their captain, is a very kind of wily, you know, medium pace kind He's of classic, kind of a, a classic county, a county seamer who consistently takes wickets. So it's a I don't know if I was those fast bowlers, particularly the captain, I'd, I'd be having a word with the groundsman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't cut the pitch for a, a two weeks and let's just let's just go for it. Let's just have a game when no one gets over a hundred. Um, right, so that is that's the six games that that Tim's picked out. Um, there's been no Somerset chat, boys. Do we? I feel bad not allowing you you got you three guys to kind of spiel on that for a bit. Do you want to have five minutes of Somerset corner, or do you want to come onto our picks? Yeah, we yeah. can do we can do two minutes. Come on, of Somerset. let's just do a bit of Somerset. That's what the people tune in for. So where <laughs> yeah. are? So let, let, let's look at Somerset. Where are they? Group two. Second place, one four, lost one, drawn one. Uh, that sounds okay to me. That, that's that's a okay. Is that about right? Just a okay. Going well so far. Yeah, I mean we've we've all been pretty happy with it. I think the question for me still remains um, with our top order. I think we've still been struggling for runs um, with our openers. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've really found a partnership that's 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 been particularly reliable um, across the season so far um, up top, which has been frustrating. But yeah, generally speaking, it's worth saying again, Overton's been fantastic. Um, Leach has done a very nice job. I guess, Zach, my question for you is Leach is playing for England. 
Is it Goldsworthy who is spinning for Somerset over the next couple of weeks when when there's the test match on? I I think so. I'd be interesting if they bring in Van der Merv. I would say probably not. I think Somerset are quite lucky because they've got they've got next week off when the first test is. So well, the first test kind of takes a little bit of that. So I think I think he might only miss. Oh, he'll only miss one county game, and obviously. When it gets to later on in the season, it's it's blast after that. So he's just missing Hampshire at Taunton, which is quite a big game. And that means Overton's missing that as well. But yeah, I think Goldsworthy would be the one. And he, he batted really well. I, I, I spoke about him on the IPL pod and was very happy because he was averaging 80 in county cricket after I've been calling for him for months on end. But yeah, the, <laughs> the, 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 the top order thing kind of annoys me because it's like they've just so they've decided, well, they had before the last game, before Banton got dropped or... Uh, They've not said anything, so we're, we're going to call it dropped. I'm not going to say rested. You know, um, they decided he should, you know, become a top order player, even though he batted quite well at five and six in 2019, you know, relatively well. And they've just decided he should bat at the top of the order, which I think works if you've got lots of runs at the rest of the top order. If the rest of the top order is doing well. You can kind of say it's fine. You take the season. You learn how to you learn how to open the batting in counter championship cricket, but the rest of the top order aren't doing well enough for that to be okay. So I'm kind of glad he was dropped. I think it looked like they were going to, well, they'd open, uh, Byram and Lamanby were opening. I, I don't know. I feel like Byram, the two left-handers opening, I'm a left-hander myself, but I still, I don't know. I don't like two left-handers opening together. I feel like it should always be left-hand, right-hand. And also, Eddie Byram has, you know, he's not been that good. Uh, he's 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 a bit inconsistent. He scored a hundred at Lords in the uh, uh, in the Bob Willis final and looked really good. And he's you know he's been unlucky to not get a game really this year. But you know I I don't back him. I think what should happen is Banton should be in the middle order and Abel should open and Abel has opened and he and I I feel like he prefers batting at three, but he's also a very able opener. <laughs> oh, that was cracking. That was. It's in the podcast there. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, he may be able to open, but he's unwilling to open. Obviously, Stop I think it's now. a bit. Of, it's a bit of the Joe. <laughs> it's a bit of the Joe Root thing, isn't it? Of just you know, he doesn't. I think basically he obviously decided that as captain, he needs that. Even if it's only usually about ten minutes. He's in. He just needs that ten minutes just to clear his head because I saw him like, when he came into the Somerset team. He was opening with uh, Triscothic, which is mm-hmm. great. It's just it's like you know more than twice his age. It's like a father and son thing on a Sunday. It's great. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he's in effect an opener because he's always in. He's literally been in every single match in the first ten overs. I mean every innings. It's ridiculous. But he obviously feels he needs that. Um, he needs that headspace of 10 minutes, come off the field and just clear his head before he goes out to bat. Literally 10 minutes. Yeah. I think that is fair enough because actually he's been the most reliable batsman they've got. And to be honest, if that's where he wants to bat, I think we better leave him there. Um, what frustrates me massively is that if you look at the Somerset team, and we more or less said it pre-season after one match, um, but we said it before even the season started, if Somerset did anything... Looking at their team, it was not another bowler. It was a top-order batsman and ideally an international-class international opener. And then you look at Gloucestershire and they've signed Craig Braithwaite for the whole of the championship, who's the captain of the West Indies currently, the test team, who 
has been pivotal in Gloucester's success because he hasn't scored a stack of runs, but he is really hard to get out. And it just wears down the opposition bowlers that bit. They, the more stroke-playing batters for, for Gloucestershire, sorry, come in, and he's been there for maybe 30 overs, might have only scored about 30 runs. However, it fits with their game plan brilliantly because they can, as we've just been saying earlier, Gloucestershire can then attack. And I just feel Somerset could have done with the Craig Braithwaite to sort of secure that opening and to give their more stroke-playing batters a chance to have a little bit of the ball to be a little bit older, the bowlers a little tired, and to really play their game. I think that would have massively helped Somerset. The merchant in the Langer has played, has come in as the only overseas player, and he's played maybe half the matches. And, you know, he's been okay, but I wouldn't say he's set the world alight. And Somerset have got Jack Brooks, who has hardly played one match, I think. And to be honest, he might as well just have had playing Jack Brooks a bit more. Um, maybe they're worried about Overton playing for England, but as you said, Zach, he's only going to miss maybe a match. <laughs> So it's, and they got he got rested in the last one, um, which luckily they didn't really play much. You know, so I think they would have, they would have they missed him. And then and to be honest, Somerset missed Craig Overton, even though they only played thirty overs because they only got four wickets in the sixty overs that were played. Didn't even, didn't even get the three on a perfect bowling conditions. Didn't even get the bowling points. So they definitely missed him. Um, so I think yeah, and I think with 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 Somerset, I think yeah, that's a little frustration. And it's really weird they put Banton to keep wicket this one, but he played for the seconds last week and didn't keep wicket. So I'm, I think there's some slightly confused thinking going on there. Um, but I honestly think that Banton playing in the middle order is the best place for him. And I think that would help Somerset. However, they sort out the top order, don't put Banton in it, put him further down. The bowling's fine. Um, Overton's a massive part of that. And I would quite like Lewis Gregory to pick up his bowling because the last couple of matches he's not bowled particularly well, which is a real shame um, because he bowled so well two seasons ago in the last proper championship season. Yeah, he, he was the standout in that championship season. He's 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 been a bit he was a bit expensive in that game against in the game against Surrey. I know there wasn't much of a game, but yeah, and he he does have the tendency to do that, and then he will still pick up wickets. But yeah, he he kind of needed to pick up the mantle with. Overton not being there and if Overton was to you know continue getting picked later on in the summer for the England squads it's a bit of a worry we don't know what will be happening with whether they'll be picking a bigger squad because of bubbles or anything obviously that's all up in the air but yeah I, I, you know it's all it's all pretty it's all right for Somerset we can't complain too much no, it's, it's good. It's good, and it's exciting, which is we just said. Compared to Worcestershire, it's, it's always exciting. I think that's, that's all match. you want, I think, isn't it? Just something interesting to watch when you are on the on the stream. So that was Somerset Corner. Thank you, boys. As, as there'll always be a Somerset Corner on these county pods. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, right. To wrap it up, let's 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 chuck some predictions out there. We love doing this on Rainstock playing, getting it wrong. There's four of us today. There's six potential teams to pick here. Somebody's gonna get something right. Please, for goodness sake. So remind me, and I'm going to come to you, Zach, because you're the guy for this. It's top top two from each group go into Div 1. That's what we're going to be picking now. Who's going to get into Div 1, uh, which is a whole other thing later this year. Um, so who, who wants to go first? Because I certainly don't, especially out of Group 1, because any of them except Derbyshire will probably go up. I could go first. Did you write down our predictions from last time? Uh, because I'd love to know how far ooh. away we are. Okay, let me let me re-listen to the, the, the preview pod. Write them down. I'll write these ones down 
and then come the third championship poll whenever we do that then we'll have a full crib sheet then i could put it on the twitter page damn we need to re-listen to the first one now and do like a director's cut when we're all like talking over it <laughs> analyzing our choices <laughs> yeah so oh. that could be that could be some uh, some extra paid for some content patron, people can some have. Patron yeah. <laughs> director's cut <laughs> okay zach sorry um uh, let, let me hold on let me actually write these down because i won't remember to listen back to the pod so go ahead who are your picks so i hope we can also do some director's cut on the millions of times we've picked england's t20 side for the world cup because there's been so many times we could do a whole director's cut just two hours of us analyzing the picks we made <laughs> But yeah, sorry. So my two to go through to Division 1 from Group A will be Essex, unfortunately, even though I'd love to see them miss out. And I think Durham are going to do it. I think they've been really good. They'll miss Mark Wood, but he's not, you know, he's not been like leading wickets for them and no one else is going. In Group B, it's going to be the two West Country teams in Gloucestershire and Somerset, I think. And then in Group C, I feel like I've, I've it's quite boring picks these in group c i'm gonna go for the roses teams that is that is so dull but that's fine (laughs) no that's fine because because more than anything that you might be correct and that's what we're looking for in this pod is some actual insight so excellent well done it might be quicker um because i just looked at the tables and i didn't want to go first i didn't want to be the boring person who picked the top two (laughs) of each three which zach did and i agree with it might be quicker that is there any in who aren't currently in the top two who we think might do it because i agree with zach so i'm gonna mirror that i haven't got the tables in front of me to be honest okay yeah yeah sure i can see (laughs) yeah zach's just going off vibes i can see a screen in front of his face you can see the reflection on it (laughs) um okay let me so I've got those written down. I think they are the sensible choices if we, if we, as a group, maybe maybe do a group decide. I think as a group, we can agree that they are sensible choices. Um, I, I don't like Durham from group, from group uh, A to go through. So I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Worcestershire. Why the heck, why the heck not? They're, they're, oh, they're not undefeated anymore. They, they're solid. They're rock solid. Listen, they're not <laughs> losing by a lot. They're not winning by a lot. And I think in such they a won. tight group, the amount of batting I'm points defeated. you draw, they're oh, no, no, they're not undefeated. They lose that one that. game. Which kind of, that, that, <laughs> They've not won. I like the rain stop play pedigree of picking the team that hasn't won a game <laughs> so far to be going through. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we, we get nothing correct because I, I come up with shit like that. <laughs> Has Neil Warnock been a? Is, is he coaching Worcestershire on his days off? This is what, <laughs> this Get is Sam Allardyce in. <laughs> oh, that's just that's I, just uh, a pure vibes pick. Tim, have you got any any ones that don't mirror Zach's? No, I'm gonna I I am gonna go for um, Essex and Knots um, oh, in okay. Group One. Um, I did actually write down who I chose originally, and okay. so I did. Pick well, I chose Essex and Worcestershire, so Worcestershire kind of let me down. See, but I'm just they might, here, Tim. <laughs> might, you know, they could still do it. Um, I did have Hampshire down and Somerset with Gloucestershire third, but I did say at the time I thought Gloucestershire would, would run both of them quite close. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Gloucestershire and Somerset. I'm a little concerned about Hampshire, but I can't face backing them. So <laughs> that's hard luck, Hampshire. And then Group One, uh, Group Three. Trouble is, looking at it, I, love, I had down for, or I had. This is the best one of my predictions. I had Kent as number one. Ooh, <laughs> that, take, that takes away all the shine off that Gloucestershire pick, yes, Tim. I'm afraid. Yeah. 
I also had Glamorgan second. Now, Glamorgan actually have done okay and have been, you know, a little bit unlucky. They've done okay, but I can't really see them catching Lancashire and Yorkshire because now they're kind of, what they're 20, it's, it's a win behind. So it's not impossible, but yeah, a little bit hard to see, especially Lancashire played a match less than um, Yorkshire yeah. and Glamorgan. It, it's a healthy little buffer between second and third in that division. So I think um, that's yeah. why it's so sound. One one side that I don't think we've 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 touched on, just looking at the tables, pulling the tables, I completely agree, Tim. Especially there is a bit of a divide, right? Lancashire second in that third group with 93, and then quite a drop to 69 for Glamorgan. Have we overlooked Warwickshire, who are currently fifth in Group A? They've won two games. They're on 67 points, and they have played a game less than Worcestershire above them. Is there anything to be said for Warwickshire? Because I'm not. I have really followed them too close. Is, is do you know what? Do you know what I think? Sorry, mate. I, you know, when we, I'm going to come to football as we always do on this pod somehow. You know, when you see a team below you with a game in hand and you presume they're going to win it, so you kind of give them a net three points. I think that's what's happening there because I agree, Glenn. They've played a game less than Worcestershire and Essex and are only nine points behind. They have won just, two. That 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 picked it up they for just, me. They've won a couple of games. I don't know, Zach. I don't know if you're going to come to this, but I just I just think they're just a bit Surrey-ish. Is they're going to underwhelm? I think so. And, you know, Sibley's been picked for England, which they might have hoped with his injury he wasn't going to be. Uh, they did beat Essex as one of their wins, you know, so that's that's pretty good. But they did then, you know, get battered by Durham by an innings and 127 runs. This week will be an interesting game for them. They've got Essex at Chelmsford. So if they win that, Glenn, I'm all, I'm all aboard. It's a good Glenn, point. Yeah. I like Glenn, that. Do you, want, do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to put your neck out on Warwickshire? Do you want? Do you want, do you want to have that as a ledgy little pick? Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bottle job. He's bottled it. He's oh. gone. Guys, what do you think about Warwickshire? They're gone. No, I'm not backing it. Okay. So we've got Essex, Essex from everybody to go through. Durham from Zach. I've gone Worcestershire, which I'm regretting the more this goes on. Could we cut? We can just cut that out, then. You know, it's a podcast. No one needs to hear me say that. Uh, Tim's gone for gone for knots out of that. I like that. And then we're both Gloucestershire. We're all Gloucestershire Somerset. Maybe a, maybe a quiet little Hampshire might be lurking around there. Yeah. And then we're all. I think look, you're, I think Group Three is the most sort of locked in one. So Group. I mean, Group One is the fascinating one, and we have picked four teams there out of the five that can go through. So sorry to. You know, Durham been picked. Okay. It'll be interesting to see. But I've got these written down and we can re-refer to them when we come back and reconvene uh, for the next pod. But that should about wrap it up there. That was a pretty comprehensive roundup. Um, thank you, boys. That was very good. Thank you, Tim, for picking all those games out for us. And let's see if we can get something correct for a change. We're coming off the back of Tim's Gloucestershire shout. So let's let's run with that for a while. We've got, we've got a lot of stock at the minute. Um, so thank you very much, boys. Glenn, thank you very much. Thank you. I think, Dan, is the next one going to be the uh, preview for New Zealand? Does that sound like it's probably our next one? That sounds about right. I've sort of lost all my bearings a little bit. I've got my calendar in front of me, but I still, (laughs) it's a bit far away for me to actually see what's going on. So I think the first test match is the 2nd of June. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely be here for a preview pod then. Next week, I reckon. Next week for a preview pod. Beautiful. Um, Tim, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next county special. Keep surfing the streams i guess is the term perhaps keep, <laughs> keep finding the good weather somewhere yeah i keep trying and i've, I've realized that the team that i now feel guilty about this time on the pod is derbyshire because the only time they got mentioned in the entire pod was by mistake <laughs> talking about leicestershire so <laughs> i'm now determined to find something about derbyshire for the next one
Perfect. Well, we look forward to that. Uh, and Zach, thank you very much. Play well tomorrow if you do get out and rain doesn't stop play. And we look forward to your next cricketing tale. Yeah, I, 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 the weather's looking decent for Leeds tomorrow. Not decent, but you know, it's, it's not looking like it's going to rain. So should get a good game and hopefully we'll win. And hopefully a good story for the next pod. That would be great. Which, as Glenn said, will be the England-New uh, Zealand Test Match preview. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you then. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.